beat the drum and hold the phone. The sun came out today. We're born again. There's new grass on the field. Just around and third and headed for home. It's a brown-eyed, handsome man. Anyone can understand the way I feel. Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. It is Monday, April 13th, 2020, our first show after Easter. I am Andrew Hansen. Very happy to be joined today by our DFS baseball pro, Andy Gallagher. Andy, how are we doing today as we get back into a regular week here, if you could call it that, since it is a Monday? Pretty good there, Andrew. All surviving, thriving and well. We've got all everything set up, working at home, um, kind of been enjoying it in different aspects. Um, more time with the family, the other things done around the house and so forth, putting up a fence in the backyard, making sure the dogs are secured and everything going well. You know, so it's uh, going nicely here in South Florida. Oh, I'm glad to hear it because I know the last time I heard you, you were dealing with a snake in the background. So you've you've avoided the snake today and. Fences in and everything. Does the fence look like an outfield yeah. wall? Does it look like a specific outfield wall in, in Major it's League a, Baseball? It's the the Boston's, you know. Um, Is it the Green Monster? Green, John, green Monster, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Except it's white. <laughs> oh, it's white. Okay. Is it 37 feet tall? Because that's how tall the Green Monster is. Whoa. I can't get that high, no. Okay. All right. Yeah, that would be a big wall in a residential area. Yeah, that would help help us keep quarantine and everything. <laughs> yeah, it sure would. <laughs> it does. <laughs> well, at the top here, I mentioned that it is April 13th. And one thing that's fun, fun about baseball is you get the this day in history fun fact. And so I got one today that I wanted to share. And it is that on this day in 1963, Pete Rose got his first career hit. And then... Would you believe it or not, but 21 years to the day after that, April 13th, 1984, he got hit number 4,000. And this this little nugget wow. came from Tim Kirk, Kirkjian on ESPN. Um, and so it got me thinking, I know you have roots in Ohio, and so I wanted to ask you about Pete Rose. Is, is he a Hall of Fame guy in your book, or do the transgressions – with betting on his own team as a manager, keep him out. I'll let him have it. I mean, yeah, that that's something that, you know, every probably professional athlete has done. We know Michael Jordan has a lot of guys have bet in their own time. So that one as an asterisk itself, you can leave it alone. I think. Interesting. Now I think you might be a little biased there as an Ohio guy. Cause I, I would keep him out. I think um, the integrity of the game is too important there. And even though I think he was only betting on his team to win. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that that certainly goes in his favor. But I just don't like the idea of of a manager doing that because I think he's probably, you know, using his best relievers on the day that he bet on the team to win. And 
really gearing up for those days and and in that sense it really skewed the system oh yeah well we're going to potentially get into a lot of other kind of asterisks as well here as we had before in the past throughout baseball history you know oh yeah no doubt this this year is going to be very unique assuming we get up and running um i gotta throw in one other this day in history for our man santino um, as we've just transitioned from our NBA podcast, I just want to mention that on April 13th, 1957, the Boston Celtics won their first NBA championship. And I, I thought Santino would appreciate that as a lifelong Lakers fan. Nice. So, so Santino, that one goes for you. That was a double overtime victory for the Celtics over St. Louis. Bill Russell was the man. He averaged 22.9 rebounds in that series which is wow. pretty pretty amazing. The guy was just one of a kind on the defensive end. So that one was for Santino. Cool. Um, and thankfully, he, he'll have a couple days where he can gear up for a response of some sort next time we get him on. Um, well, I just want to say that there's a lot of that, those these contests with the horse going on. Have you seen that, like, on in any of the networks? Believe it or not, I taped it last night. I haven't watched it yet. I've heard a couple of the results. Uh, I haven't seen it. Did you check it out? I did. I was like Chauncey Billups versus Zach Levine and some of the WNBA's right. ladies with um, playing against uh, Chris Paul. I can't remember. Yeah, Chris Paul, yeah. he won. And yeah, there was a few interesting ones in retired players, but uh, it's pretty far from the actual real thing, which we're looking towards potentially here someday. <laughs> I know it's like all we have to choose from is is uh, things like horse, so pretty crazy. But speaking of right NBA, yeah, video games, yeah, those guys talking amongst each other and all that good stuff. I noticed uh, real quick that um, Justin Turner was talking about this. Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm getting it mixed up with something else. Um, Aaron Judge actually was talking with uh, Dame Lillard. Uh huh. They were talking amongst each other in one of these type of I guess, video game contests. And that's when he told him, yeah, I'm looking to get back. Uh, Judge, that is, told Dane that I'm looking to get back. And in just another few weeks here, I'll be ready to go. I'm, I'm basically back to a, a full workload of training regimen. So that was interesting. Yeah, fun to pick up that info. I know he was dealing with a rib injury. So this is a, a good time for everybody to get healthy in all the sports. And as we look at the possibility of, MLB, MLB coming back. You talked about how it's going to be a season full of asterisks if we get one. And we may even have complete realignment with our divisions because I know one of the things that's been talked about here in recent days is the possibility of doing the Grapefruit League in Florida and then the Cactus League in Arizona and having those be the replacements for the American League and the National League. So what do you think about that, Andy? Yeah, that's what I was actually um thinking about there with Justin Turner, he was saying that he wanted to go, go for that. And they would players want to go and play, you know, they're anxious to get it out there and prove what they want to do, make sure they're having an opportunity. So definitely uh, whether that is in both locations or one, it's fine for the players, you know, they'll go ahead and roll with it and see what they can do with that because they want to really want to get, and that was um, a report from Ken Rosenthal as well. So that's when he was inter- interviewing um, JT and it was also brought up, interestingly, about that in that same conversation that uh, they want to shorten the games. And one way to do that, instead of 
compromising the nine innings is to actually um, lower the, the extra innings. The way they would do that would be with a home, home run derby contest. And then they said, well, uh, Justin, would you be in one of the players chosen? Kind of like a hockey shootout. Right. And he said, no, no, I probably wouldn't be, you know, one of the three guys they use <laughs> in that set of three, you know, um, shootout or home run derby type scenarios because he's not one of the best home run hitters in that team because they, they're loaded. I mean, absolutely. The Dodgers are. So they got plenty of home run hitters there. Yeah, that would be interesting for each team to try to pick their three best and see who would get included, and who would get left out. I personally would rather go with the the minor league approach of having a 10th inning where you start a guy on second base and play the game out that way so that you don't get the long extra inning games, especially if we're going to have a bunch of double headers this year. Because I know one thing about the realignment proposal is that with 15 teams in Florida, 15 teams in Arizona, you're always going to have an odd number of teams playing on every day. And so they're going to add in at least one doubleheader a day to make sure that everybody's playing. So um, that's when you might get some of these seven inning doubleheaders. Uh, and we certainly don't know how many games they're going to play in this season. But hopefully we'll get some baseball here going soon. And what we're doing here is we're finishing up our little series on baseball strategy. And then starting tomorrow on Tuesday, we're going to start breaking down two MLB teams per podcast. So Andy and I will be back tomorrow to break down the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. And we'll just circle through the entire uh, Major League Baseball group of teams. And we'll be rotating our different analysts on the podcast to do that. Um, But thankfully, Andy, before we get going on those two team podcasts, we have one more day of strategy. And today you and I are going to get to talk about bankroll management, how how you like to break down your investments in cash versus GPP, and then a little bit about actual contest selection for MLB MLB DFS, um, different types of contests that you recommend with your exposure. Um, so let's, let's jump right into it. Let's get going with some bankroll management because for me, that's really where you have to start. Um, before you start figuring out which contest you're going to play, you have to come up with a strategy of, all right, this is my bankroll and right. this is how much I want to invest on a given night. And I think it's more important than, than ever to do that in baseball uh, because of the volatility. So, why don't you give us some of your thoughts on bankroll management? Because I know you've done a great job building up your bankroll over the years where you gradually have gotten you know, bigger and bigger you know, with more experience and more success. And that's something that's a, that's a really valuable lesson for our listeners, some of whom may be newer to MLB DFS. So what, what are your, some, of, some of your thoughts for the listeners on bankroll management? All right. Well, you make sure, obviously, the goal of bankroll management is not losing your money. <laughs> and then trying to profit. <laughs> That's goal number one. <laughs> so, yeah. So there are um, a lot of different approaches. Um, recommending the previous um, podcast that we put up uh, that was uh, NBA based, you know, as far as managing those bankrolls and those various examples given. So I recommend looking back on that and following those um, recommendations. Um, as for baseball, as far as a percentage of bankroll, 
I'd recommend going um, pretty small. I mean, just 10% of what you allocate towards your actual plan per slate, per day, per night, whatever it is. So that's kind of like your stock investment. Um, so once you've decided on what percentage, um, then you also want to decide, of, of course, of what sites you want to play. You can split it up. Um, of course, splitting it up would make sure to yourself that you have to manage more. So you kind of have to manage your own accounting there. Um, so in uh, bankroll management, accounting is a skill in and of itself. So you want to <laughs> yeah. make sure <laughs> that you're it's not just it's not even like um, I guess kind of like managing a checkbook, but more um, obviously in depth as far as the strategies you're taking. Um, maybe every 30 days, reevaluate, look at where you are, what's worked, what hasn't, um, so that you're not just keep throwing paint on the wall and, and, and throwing uh, something out to the wind that doesn't work anymore. So um, that's how you build it up over time. You know, the first year of someone just starting or playing out, you know, starting out from scratch is going to be difficult to, you know, get it going at first. So um, those are pretty much my thoughts on getting started and trying to sustain over a long period of time. Um, what do you what do you think and feel about that? Yeah, I agree. I think that because there's so much volatility in baseball with each player's performance, it's you, you really need patience. I, I think that's the key word is patience with your bankroll management. Um, I read a stat somewhere that around 30% of the players' performances, the hitters, will give you a zero in baseball, you know, whether it's Mike, you know, Mike Trout, he goes 0 for 4 occasionally. It happens, even though he's the best player in baseball. So you have to be willing to absorb uh, several nights potentially in a row where some of your key hitters that are the best in the game give you a zero. I mean, as we know, the best hitters in baseball only get a hit one out of three times coming up to the plate, you know, over the course of history. You hit 300, you, you have a chance to be a Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame player. So you, you really have to have a feel for those statistics when you start to look at investing in MLB DFS. Um, so I, I like the idea of, of something like 10% uh, to, to try to get going and to try to play the long view. And one thing I, I talked about on one of our NBA strategy podcast. I'm glad you mentioned that. We went through some of this when we were talking specifically about NBA DFS. And, and you know, the numbers are a little bit different there because um, just the game, the, the nature of the game is so much different. It's, you know, it's a lot more reliable in the NBA. You're not going to see a Bradley Beal, a guy who averages 30 points a night. You're not going to see him go out and score zero points, you know, unless he gets injured in the first quarter. So it's just such a different game. But one thing we talked about on some of those podcasts was the idea of setting a goal for your bankroll. And so I, I wanted to ask you about that because I think there's really two main ways you can progress with your bankroll and achieve a goal and then how you react to it. So the two you know, main, main ways you can react to it are you hit a goal and so then do you start playing more or do you you take some of that money out of your account and put it away as profit and then try to do it again. So let me ask you this for an example. Let's say you start with $100 and you want to get to 150 and you get your account to 150 in baseball. 
do you are you the type of guy who would who would advise taking fifty dollars out and going back to a hundred and trying to get to one fifty again? Or maybe you get to one fifty, then you reevaluate and you say, you know, instead of paying ten percent a night, so ten dollars a night, I'm gonna up it to 10% of 150. So now I'm just going to start playing more. I'm going to play $15 a day. Um, which which approach do you take there? You could go either way, depending on the preference of the individual. But um, I like to continue the, the percentage, 10% of uh, the bankroll, you know, without making any withdrawals. Just hold off on that as long as possible, you know, even to the end of the season, really, and then see what you come up with at the end. I mean, obviously – you hit a really big um, GPP or something, maybe you can <laughs> reward yourself. But right. So you're just working with checks and balances as far as, you know, your allocation and whether you're replenishing, hopefully not at all. But if you smart, if you start with a smaller bankroll, that will probably happen at one time. If you only have $10, you know, of course, it's not going to last you very long. So you got to um, think about, you know, make sure you're, you're just setting your goal, determined on your percentage and then trying to continue to work with that and then re- reevaluate. I, would, I, I'd l- I like to recommend every every 30 days because it's kind of like a cycle of, of baseball. I like to use every 30 days as far as um, things things starting to normalize with pitchers specifically. Um, hitters can normalize faster as far as whether they're on a hot streak or not. You can kind of – well, you try to you know pick up uh, on the ups and downs of the season. Uh, maybe it does last – a month or so. You know, some guys have better months than others for whatever reason. Um, those things are one of the most challenging things. But but um, as far as your own um, bankroll and how you manage it, that's you know I just recommend for myself just staying conservative in those aspects. Well, that's the definition of patience. I like that. You know, having the mindset of I'm just going to keep building the bankroll for the season, and I may start playing more per night. But I'm going to wait until potentially the end of the season to make my withdrawal and, uh, you know, then reassess for the next season in terms of what I want my starting bankroll to be, what I'm going to play per night. Um, and I also like the 30 day reevaluation as well. So those are some good tips there. A- any other comments on the general bankroll management or should we start getting into cash versus GPP? Yeah, I also wanted to share. I was just getting into uh, the next part already. The the the, the fifty fifty dollar example. Okay. Is that the next part or this part? Yeah, that's the next part, I think. Okay. Um, I was also going to mention. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We'll go with the next next part. Okay. So the the next general topic we want to get into today is cash versus GPP. Uh, you know how you're generally allocating your investment on a given night. Because, uh, again, we want to start with how much are we investing tonight and then figure out, specifically in baseball, how many cash contests do I want to play? Do I want to play any GPPs where I'm making a smaller investment to try to get a much bigger return? So when you're going into a slate, you know, middle of middle of June here, we're in a regular season, we're in the groove, we got a good feel for player pricing, player performance, matchups, all that stuff. Um, how do you like to go into a slate in terms of how much you're going to invest in a cash in cash games versus how much you're going to invest in GPPs? Mm-hmm. Well, whatever 
amount size of bankroll you used. So let's say you got 250, you want to allocate $50 a slate, something in that scenario. I would go ahead and put in um, $20 specifically as an outliner here. Um, $20 into a head to head, for example, $20 into either a double up or 50 50. And then $5 you got to play with as far as your single entries, maybe even um, multi entry GPP if you want to divide it up, if you really want to kind of attack the larger field uh, GPPs. You can do so in single entry without having to do that um, because, you know, there's examples of contests uh, where, you know, you could even do a dollar or you can do a $10, like um, MOB ridiculous rally, 50K to first, something you could try to go for if you want. Now, it would be difficult though, because these are like for this example, this particular contest has, let's see how many, I'm trying to see here, <clears throat> entries, 150 entries. So you're up against the field as far as those guys with the optimizers and, and everybody who's throwing tons and tons of lineups out there, you know, you're, you're really um, eliminating your prospect of seriously contending. So that's where you have to be careful. You may, you may just be better off staying with a single entry. Single entry bunts is a contest where it's just a dollar you enter. You can get a couple hundred is a lot less entries because the more significantly um, greater in increase to your own chance of at least cashing in and and turning a profit is on a nightly basis, including your cash games, your regular 50-50s head-to-heads, is that you're um, entering those single entries based on, you know, a couple, few hundred, maybe um, 500 people, 1,000 people is fine. That way you're um, significantly increasing your, your profits because it's only – that's all you can enter as far as the whole field, one entry. So that's important to focus on. you got to do that. Yeah, that's a that's a nice general overview. So let me take a step back and make sure I heard this correctly, so we can summarize it for the listeners. You, so for your general approach in MLB DFS, what you're doing is you're taking about 80% of your investment on a given night and putting it towards cash, and about 20% of your investment and putting it towards GPPs. Exactly. Okay. And then when you break down your cash games, you like to put about half of it in a regular head-to-head -head, or maybe a couple different head-to-heads where you're one against one, and then another half of your cash investment in bigger uh, contests where you're trying to beat half the field, basically. That is essentially correct, yeah. And well, I'll let you go ahead. Okay. And then on the tournament side, it sounds like you like a mix of a little bit of a single entry GPP where you might be going for that 200 to one return if you can get that top spot, uh, but also a tiny bit of exposure in the really large GPPs where you are competing against uh, the 150 max entry type player, uh, but you like to get a tiny bit of exposure there just in case your lineup hits it big. Yeah, you could do that. Like, um, if you've been familiar or heard the term ladder strategy, um, that some people use it loosely in different ways. But one ladder strategy is to take one particular GPP type lineup that you feel strongly about and enter it into different contests. Like, for example, maybe a 25 center, and then you can enter the same exact lineup into a dollar, 
and then you can enter the same exact once again into like uh, a free roll and, and into like um, those um, ones that I can't think what you call them right now off the top of my head, but where you just enter them in when you win entries into other contests um, with different names and different sites. Right, the satellites. Yeah, you could do satellites. Yeah. You could just enter enter them in a whole bunch of stuff. The problem with that is obviously if you do that, um, you, you lose all that. So um, it's not really a ladder. It's not a ladder at all in the sense of laddering your cash out, but it's a, a ladder as far as the different levels. You know, you could even uh, enter that into a uh, a one third or um, triple up in a, in a in a in a one out of five type contest because you know even though it would ladder in the sense of even though it's it's the same lineup it could still cash in some of the lower, or I'm sorry, high, some of the higher percentage payout contests. So that's another approach someone could take that's certainly, you know, doable. Yeah, I've seen that a lot um, across the industry and in, in different sports. Sometimes you'll see the, slant, the same lineup from the same player win the contest at different levels like you're talking about, whether it be a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars uh, or more, or in football could be dollar three dollars twenty dollars and so that that is a that is an ideal scenario if you if you hit the tournament lineup and it's the best one on the night you're going to win every contest that you're in um but that brings me to another question about you specifically andy when you're attacking cash games and gpps with your baseball lineup on on most on most nights do you like to take your cash lineup and put it in a GPP somewhere just in case it hits big, or do you sure. focus? Do you do you also look at creating a different tournament lineup um, for that 20% or so investment that you're making in GPPs? Yeah, I mean, I would say that basing it on um, maybe from a player perspective, it's also important for, for people to understand that um, I had many examples last year where somebody would use like um, in a low entry field like a, um, a triple up so there's only three entries I, I looked at an example there where people use the other two guys used Chris Sale and he got blown up and then I had Walker Bueller so being different from those two two guys even in a three entry you you definitely win your money that way so but then I experienced a lot of times in 50 50s where I did go even though he wasn't necessarily chalk it, every every slate is different. We got to understand that as well. But um, you know, sometimes you can go with the chalk and win. Sometimes you don't, and it just depends on what you as an individual want to do with your going back to bankroll, going back to whether you're a GPP player, whether you're really more of a cash player, your particular style, deciding on how and when and what slate you want to do it with. But um, your question, I'm sorry. <laughs> Remind me what your question was more geared towards. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll circle back on that one in a sec. But um, really just thinking about since you play primarily cash games in, in baseball, when you do build a tournament lineup, it sounds like sometimes you take your cash lineup and put it in a tournament. And then other times you'll build a whole new GPP lineup. Oh, right. So you could do that in terms of if you got, you know, 20 lineups, if you got 17 cash, if you want to call it that and then you run it back with the opposing pitchers um batting lineup so you know if you got in there um if you think there's a chance that um jake de blows up he gets rocked 
then you, you take the opposing batters of, you know, let's say the Dodgers. And they, so you just take, stack that team up. And sure, you do that as a kind of um, a hedge against, you know, that, that particular pitcher faltering. And you still come out ahead, hopefully either way, whichever side of it goes uh, bonkers for you. Okay, so now I, I like this idea, and I want to I want to dig into that for just a moment because I think it's a it's a strategy that can really help our listeners. So what you're talking about, and just correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're talking about building a cash lineup with Degrom as your starting pitcher, and so you've got most of your money that night invested in Degrom performing well, being the ace, and you know getting that edge over the rest of the cash field and turning a profit. But what you'll do is you'll take a you know 10 or 15% investment out of your bankroll that night and go to a GPP and flip it so that you take the you take a stack out of the lineup of, of batters that he's facing so that if he has a poor night then you lose you might lose all your cash contests but if you've got those batters in a GPP where they're likely going to be very low owned because they're going against DeGrom. If they go off, then you might have a chance to really spike a big victory in the GPP. That's right. Especially in a GPP, you can bring home a, a, a huge victory because there's so much variance as far as, and it happened so many times last year. It happened a ton, probably more, more than the other seasons I can remember is that aces went out there, you know, like, like Kluber, like sale, like, um, some of these guys, even Verlander, happened a few times where they really got rocked. And the, the opposing team, you know, if you were playing that opposing team, likely there were there were only a couple guys out of thousands. You came out on top automatically based on that scenario, just that, you know, very contrarian like that. Yeah, so um, the word contrarian there reminds me of that other point I wanted to circle back on. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but what it sounded like you were saying was that sometimes if you're doing a three-man contest, you like to go a little bit contrarian. But if you're going in a bigger contest in cash, then you're not going to go as contrarian. You you, you want to have – you might take the starting pitcher that night who is likely to be highly owned and work on finding value in some of the batters you, you use to try to win your contests. Yeah, because those batters are also priced significantly significantly lower uh, on a regular basis as well. So you notice those kind of things uh, as you pick up and play daily. So you know, being used to the pricing and how everything works out. You know, you got you get guys well below the, the sub 3K range, you know, as opposed to batters and, and cores because they're up towards 4K. Total difference. I mean, it, it's it's kind of really more difficult to get guys. Um, in on cores and be able to afford them. Obviously, it was mentioned on this pod before. So when you go really contrary, and the more the better, a lot of times in these GPPs. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and it is a major difference in pricing. I mean, with the cores guys, it's like it's like you're playing a video game with some of those high totals, and you have to pay for it. So when you're going with a stud pitcher, it's a lot harder to get exposure to cores field. And you got to find values throughout your lineup. So um, that's certainly a, a strong approach to take. Now, one other thing I want to talk to you about in terms of cash versus GPP before we get into some more specific contest selection on the different sites is the, another thought that we talked about 
in the ML, sorry, the NBA strategy podcast we did, which is really knowing and learning your strengths. And I, I think it's really important that when you're trying to figure out how much exposure you, you want to cash games versus GPP, you got to know where your strengths are. And really the, the best way to do that is go back and look at your past performance. And that can tell you a lot. I mean, if you're, if your record uh, in cash lineups, let's say, is 30% versus 70%, that's going to tell you a lot. And if your record in GPPs is cashing 10% or cashing 40%, that's going to tell you a lot. And obviously, you, you need to go into it knowing that if you're cashing 40% in GPPs, you're doing quite well. Um, but that's probably not going to cut it in in cash games. So um, how does that factor into your approach is is the the breakdown of investments that you gave us earlier in the show today is that based on you looking at your past performance um or are you just more inclined to to focus on the cash games because you want to steadily build your bankroll yeah i would say more inclined inclined towards cash you got to build that up i i think um you know like i said unless you're really a gbp player and you want to try every variation because like you mentioned before on a given night uh, Mike Trout could go 0 for 4 I mean it doesn't happen with him very often he's an exception but um, with most players yes it, it happens on any given night go 0 for 4 zero points so you have to base it on your pitching um, to get the main basis of your I had many times happen where I enter my 50 50s or double ups and then I'm behind I'm like 40th out of 50 and then all of a sudden my pitcher's throwing strikeouts and I pass the whole field. I get up to top 10 out of 50. So it works fine for cash. Um, as long as you got some good value batters in your lineup that can do some things that you know how to evaluate and do all that. Um, you know, when it comes to evaluation as well, we're, we're coming up on a, a tricky time here. Um, potentially, I just want to circle back to that. The, the ballparks um, with the, with the ballparks, potentially changing here, not being the normal right. standard from what we're used to. Uh, we have already evaluated and know um, and kind of gotten used to and will continue to as the um, spring training picks up anyway. Again, it's supposed to, you know, last two or three weeks before it starts up. Um, that information is being in, in updated in, in the Discord. And so we're already kind of used to um, – already working with those ballparks so it's going to be a whole different game so that would negate everything we talked about and as far as the ball unfortunately those ballparks and not being able to use those um so those um you know so all these things we're, we're going to factor in as really as the time comes up closer and closer eventually we expect there to be baseball so um the lineups that are being set you know are going to be in a discord uh, two lineups each main site FanDuel, DraftKings, one cash one gpp so that um, people can get in there and, and get some lineups and get some cash flow going and not have to worry about all these particular nuances daily like this because, um, you know, it changes day to day. Every, every slate is different. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. So let me let me give our, our listeners a little bit more uh, insight there. In terms of Discord, of course, you're talking about the membership chat area that we have. And if you want to become a member at DFS Coach Talk, then – just go to dfscoachtalk.com and you'll see our weekly, monthly, and yearly membership packages. 
if you select one of those, the membership will be frozen until we get major sports up and running again. And being a member will allow you to be in our Discord where we chat every day um, about all kinds of different things. We also run simulation contests with uh, the, the DFS Coach Talk staff along with our members, and we have a lot of fun with that. So if you want to become a member, then come and join us. You can do that um, with your membership frozen all the way up until we get basketball or baseball up and running again. And we're going to continue to share a lot of information in Discord that we might not need to write a full article about it and put it on the website, but we'll share it with our members in Discord. And that's one of this. It's a great example, Andy, of an edge that you're going to help our members get. I mean, you live in Florida, so you are close by a lot of these ballparks. I used to live in Florida. I spent three winters down there. I was playing minor league baseball, and so I've been in and around a lot of these minor league complexes, and that is something that could really be an edge for us early in the season. If we get this setup that we were just talking about at the beginning of the show with half of the major league games being played in Florida at these minor league complexes, then, you know, if we're ready to go and prepared with ballpark dimensions and, you know, we're on top of the weather and the wind direction and which ballparks to target on a given night, we're going to have a huge advantage over the competition. Exactly. We're going to be able to crush it that way because, um, you know, I, I I don't know what other providers are actually doing out there as far as, um, you know, daily um, topics and tips like that. But, um, you know, we're, we're ready. We're prepared already, actually. You know, I, I can say that for sure. It's already the data is already there. Um, if anybody had any questions, um, feel free to holler at me in a discord. So that would be the way to go to try to get in there as a frozen on hold membership and try to hammer out some more things, especially as we get closer to an actual game, hopefully. Now, in terms of reaching out, um, tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter. Sure. Drew J. That's D-R-E-W-J-G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R, Lake Gallagher. Right. So Drew J. Gallagher. Drew J. Gallagher. And then you can certainly find me as well at Language Olympic. Um, let's transition here towards the final segment of today's podcast, which is contest selection in Major League Baseball. So, um, again, a lot of different variables here, but some key strategies we want to get into are what types of contests we want to we want to get into, which site we want to play on whether it's one site or multiple sites, uh, what type of slate we want to play. And so I know a lot of the stuff, Andy, that we've talked about today, we've started to talk a little bit, some, you know, some of about specific contests you can play. Um, but why don't you, why don't you take a whack at, you know, diving in a little bit more on contest selection and how you might advise some of the listeners who are new to mm-hmm. MLB DFS to uh, actually hone in on a selection on a contest that makes sense for them. Yeah, I'll take a swing at it. So on on FanDuel, I think we almost got it pretty much covered. You want to go, you know, well, really with any site, lower entries, you know, 10 entry is fine. So a three out of 10 will win. Just, your odds of winning are obviously better than, than anything with a thousand person contest. 
Um, the way to do that on DraftKings is actually is um, I have to look at look this up to see where to find it exactly. But there's an extension that you put on your browser that'll tell you your actual rake. Um, since we didn't mention that, as long as your rake is like sub or maybe around 25% um, when playing on DraftKings, you can see that information to pull up on your screen and it'll show you like little boxes right beside every contest you can see. So that's really what you want to base it on there on DraftKings. So you can see, you know, exactly what you're up against as far as the, the rake or the payout. Um, yeah, so you want to do that. And then you want to look at, obviously, um, for, for you individually, how you want to work in your 50-50s, double-ups um, on any site. Some people like to go to um, Fancy Draft for that. That's fine to do that. It works really well, and it's covered on the last, last pod, the scoring differences there. Um, so you can go and back and review that. So, um, yeah, there's quite a, quite a number of good contests that people will see, you know, all through. You know, since there's a lot of people that are, are used to and listen to a lot of basketball pods and so forth, played a lot of that. A lot of the things are, are um, similar in aspect as far as the types of, um, you know, the rake and the actual payout percentages and whether the top heavy or not on uh, FanDuel, how much they pay out. There's a lot of similarities between these, you know, you can enter sometimes do 10 cent specials, 25 cent on a regular. So you can see all these things lined up in your regular um, FanDuel or, or DraftKings apps. Yeah, I think I think there's some really good points in there. Um, and even without the extension, you can you can do those calculations yourself if you're curious. And it is important if you're going to be playing a lot of different cash contests it is going to be valuable in the long run to do the calculation and figure out which contest has the lowest rake. And it can really vary between the whether it's a 50-50 or a double up, whether it's head-to-head, 10 people, 50 people, 100. Um, you know, it varies. So definitely when you're talking about bankroll, you're talking about playing potentially every day throughout the season in MLB, those little differences really add up. So that's that's a nice first thing to look at. Um, let me ask you from a different angle in terms of a big slate or a small slate. How do you like to target your contest? Because we know that on on many days we've got all the teams playing. Um, and so there can be some really big slates. You know, it's really only Mondays and Thursdays when teams have an off day um, where you could get a smaller slate for the main slate, but you know, that, that might all be out the window this year with a, a tightened shortened season. We, we may not have quite the same schedule like we, we usually do, but how do you like to approach it in terms of, do you target a bigger slate or a smaller slate, or perhaps do you find that you have success on both? Yeah, I talk, I attacked them all. Um, the smaller slates, you have a better chance of actually winning. There's less teams to evaluate. Um, you can get in there and be easily be contrary. And if it's a three-game doubleheader type slate, you can just go in, you know, evaluate your three teams, and, and boom, you're off and running. You can go ahead and figure it out. You can even go um, totally, you know, off from what the field is doing completely and just take the worst matchup. Not that it's something to recommend every slate, obviously, but the more – bold you are and more um how would i say it the, the more cojones you have and being able to do that 
you know, you can do that because um, it, it's just, you know, even if you're just a fan of the team, you want to see the team, even if they're not very good, you know, it, it's okay to do once in a while. Or you could even even better, as you truly really try to trace and track what you do, um, maybe if you're using uh, spreadsheets or are decent enough to do that or, or writing it down, um, you could even figure out your own strategy, your own GPP strategy and, you know, say, OK, I'm going to go ahead and maybe uh, two times out of the week, go ahead and do something like that and figure out how many times worked out for me. And you would probably find the anti-fragile strategy will work. It's just a matter of when. So if you consistently did something like that or, or some other strategy that you're using, maybe you're just, uh, for example, working with a particular stat category like hard hit contact rate. If you're taking going against that pitcher or even a bullpen um, on a consistent basis and figure, hey, let me take advantage of this one particular stat that I know that I understand and I can feel confident in and you take your stand and you do it and you can just track your results consistently from that and see what kind of results you get. Well, there's another approach I really like. So uh, I, I do want to highlight that. So let me just make sure I'm understanding what you're talking about is putting a small percentage of your bankroll in a GPP and going with a highly contrarian lineup. So let's say it's a, it's a small slate, it's three games. And instead of stacking the Dodgers or the Astros, you're talking about taking one of these lesser owned teams, like say, you know, the Royals or the White Sox or the Tigers and investing heavily in stacking that team so that if they happen to have one of their rare, excellent days, you have a you have a much better chance of taking down the GPP because not many people are going to be stacking that team. Yeah, as long as you stay within your bankroll strategy and it's only like 5%, if you did that on a consistent basis and depending on the amount of dollars, obviously, you, you will win. Just be you're guaranteed only because the, the contrarian does happen. It's just a matter of when because it's baseball. It's not, um, you know, basketball or even football where we're expecting the the worst teams to sometimes pull off, you know, uh, six, seven, eight runs in a game. We really are, um, especially in the environment we're probably um, going to be in was going to be very different. It's going to be a lot of surprises. So um, you're just positioning yourself on that particular stand of a, of a strategy that you take on the field. Okay, excellent. Now, one other question I have for you. If we have a, some listeners who are going to be new to MLB DFS, what are your thoughts on advising them to play on one site in particular or potentially multiple sites? What would you say there? Probably start out on FanDuel and decide on one pitcher. Um, make sure you evaluate. If you're doing this, taking this on all on your own, of course, that's another matter. But um, we, we would help you inside, as you mentioned, in Discord, get your get your lineups together. Um, but if you're on your own and you decide that's the way you go, then you, you obviously do that because FanDuel is, is doing the one pitcher still and you build out the rest of the the lineups um, in the field uh, of that. Uh, I mean, you know, outfields, first, second base, all that, so that you can um, build out your bankroll like that. Yeah, you could even do it with um, GPPs. I, actually, that's the way I started. 
um, going with like 10 centers, <laughs> just trying to build something up, you know, very, very small, because that would be the way to go about it, you know, if you don't have a lot to work with. Right. So you uh, start out with your, the, you know, conservative bankroll, small contest, just trying to get experience, trying to learn the ropes and start with one site. And I, I do like the idea of starting on FanDuel because you're only dealing with one pitcher. Um, but I also like the idea of if you let's say you try that for 30 days, you haven't found much success, then switch over and try DraftKings and pr- potentially the way that you break down a slate, you might be more successful in the long run with the two pitcher approach and the different scoring categories. And again, if you missed that podcast from yesterday, go back and listen. Coach and Mike did a great job breaking down the different sites, different strategies based on the different lineups and the different scoring. Um, And, you know, for one reason or another, different players can have different success on one or the other. So I, I, it's one more thing where I think it's good to experiment with and really self-evaluate and figure out what you're better at. Because let's say you're used to playing on one side or the other, and so you you like it, you're more comfortable with uh, the software and all that. But you you really, it's more important. That what's more important than comfort is your actual success rate. So it, it may be different on a different sport. So I would encourage people to. Um, I, I like the idea of starting with one if you're new to baseball, but um, I also like the idea of experimenting with the other one if you're not finding that early success that you were looking for. Yeah, that's fine. I would say that you also have to think about how you're, what are you basing your evaluation on? Is it just one side too far of the equation? So is, is it too far on the side of new school analytics or is it too far on the side of old school uh you know watching baseball from the old managers as far as the eye test the way they did things you know you're not going to be able to catch up to speed if, if you haven't watched it for several years um and know what's going on so you know not nowadays with the stat cast and the exit velocities and the um launch angles and and the the barrels that people or that players um have we have all that's all those stats anybody can access that stuff um you've also got to use your eye tests and and keep learning the game because it's not something you learn overnight either and and see what you can see within the game um like a manager or a coach would absolutely um well i i really like this overview that we've we've gotten through here anything else on contest selection you want to mention before we wrap up that covers it for me. Um, no, just jump in into Discord and keep the conversation going. We update the news items, um, keep people engaged. We got simulation contests going on. The practice, really, it's what I use it for. Um, just practice in the meantime, you know, while there's no games going on, and hold on tight for uh, what we got coming up. Absolutely, and what we have coming up tomorrow is the beginning of our two MLB teams per day. The breakdown shows that we're going to do. We're going to start tomorrow with the Diamondbacks and Rockies. Andy and I will be on for that. And then we're just going to keep rolling the next two weeks with two MLB teams per show. Um, And 
feel free to reach out to us on Twitter ahead of time if you want to, um, you know, have us look at a, at a certain um, player or aspect of a team in terms of the starting pitching, bullpen, hitters, whatever the case may be. Uh, again, you can find Andy at Drew J. Gallagher. You can find me at Language Olympic. You can check out our web, our website at dfscoachtalk.com. Um, Coach always likes to mention the mambaon3.org, uh, the charity set up by Kobe Bryant's uh, wife for the victims of that helicopter accident. Uh, so that's something that um, he would encourage you to, to check out. Um, and then one more time, in terms of those memberships, you can get them at dfscoachtalk.com. Uh, come on in, join the fun, and participate with us in these daily simulations that we've got rolling. And um, fun way to compete as we wait for the real deal. So that's going to do it for us today. On behalf of Andy Gallagher, I am Andrew Hansen. Please tune in, tune in again tomorrow for the next episode the next episode of DFS Coach Talk.